In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of my great joys as a priest is the season of Lent. Even on the Sunday where we use the great litany and we have this long list of unrelenting sins throughout human history. I love Ash Wednesday. I love reminding people that they're going to die. We're all going to die one day. I love Lent because it's this opportunity to turn our attention, a microscopic level of attention to our lives. And each Lenten season, a new theme emerges for me, and it often seems to be in alignment with others as well. This week, as I was praying through the lectionary text, I assumed that I would spend my time in your pulpit talking about Jesus's temptation in the wilderness. But the theme that kept emerging for me was not wilderness and temptation, but rather healing and hope. And I will never stop anyone who's willing to wade into the wilderness with the Christ. But what captured my prayerful imagination this week was the words from Psalm 32. The psalmist in the 32nd Psalms offers this poetic prayer that draws the hearer's mind to the journey of someone who holds tightly to their sins and tries to hide them from God. And all the while they carry this weight of shame and guilt. And then they finally confess to God and receive God's merciful embrace and the joy therein. The psalmist paints a picture of withered bones. Withered bones, the very life from them sucked out by, from the intensity of shame. Bones withered not by a checklist of sins, but rather by the ways in which sin has kept the psalmist from God and from the people they love. Like most folks, my understanding of sin has evolved over the years, but no matter what, I always return to the simple way I first learned about sin, that to sin is simply to miss the mark. Perhaps when you hear the word sin, you think of a list of five to ten things your mother would be disappointed in you if you did. But I wonder how our understanding of sin would change if we thought of it as missing the mark and how we, that would change how we walk through the world. I know it would change for me because I deeply want to serve, to love and to serve Christ in all persons as we promise again and again every time we renew our baptismal covenant, but I miss that mark so, so much. And each time, it is a sin. Because sin is so often the result of placing my own desires or wants over the very image of God who walks beside me. 
In my seminary internship, I was meeting with congregants at the back of the church at the beginning of Lent several years ago. And in passing, they said, sin, we don't talk about that in the Episcopal church. And I don't remember my exact reaction, but I probably awkwardly laughed and moved the conversation along. I had only been in the Episcopal church for five years at that point, but one thing I knew was that over and over and over again, we very much do talk about sin in the Episcopal church. And while it might look different than the heavy-handed moral superiority with which it is sometimes talked about, I'm grateful that we can talk about and name our sins. I'm grateful because without naming how we miss the mark, it's very easy to forget where the mark is. In the psalmist's prayer, they brought to God their withered bones, ravaged by unnamed sins. And in their confession, they found joy, but they also found healing. Confessing our sins is not simply about making things right. At its core, it's about healing and mercy. It requires us to not be perfect. It requires us to admit that we will never be perfect. But the bigger challenge is that it requires us to stand in the vulnerable truth that in this mess of imperfection, in the long and complicated process of healing, what God desires more than anything is connection to us and for us. One author I read this week wrote of this psalm and said, this is the ego-bruising work of Lent. And I don't know where you find yourself on this first Sunday in Lent, but for me, it is my withered bones hearing God's invitation to this season of healing and hope. Because when I turn that microscopic lens to my life, I see a longing for what the psalmist terms as God's embrace of mercy. No doubt, this is the ego bruising work of Lent. And I long for us to take it up together. Not just because we're all gonna die one day, but because I am deeply convicted by the psalmist's affirmation of hope. I believe that when we reflect on our sins, we will see where we have missed the mark. And when we can do that, our withered bones can receive healing. Because the point of confession 
And repentance is not to add shame and guilt, but is to acknowledge that the only way to fall outside of God's embrace of mercy is to choose to withhold ourselves from it. To separate ourselves from who we are, from who we are called to be, from those we love, and from God, God's self. The work of Lent is the work of change, but it's also the work of healing. It's the long, complicated, sometimes counterintuitive process of healing that very often requires us to feel some things we may have pushed to the side, sometimes for many, many years. The important thing for us to remember at the cusp of this season is that we never do this alone. We take on Lent as a Christian community in an intentional season together and with God's help. My prayerful question for us is what would this season look like if we set aside time not just to confess our sins, but to intentionally, with open hands, accept the healing and the hope that comes on the other side of not having to carry them? What does it look like for your life to be full of healing and hope and joy? Not because you don't sin, because, but because you need not carry and continue in them. I am increasingly convinced and convicted that this is the point of Lent. It is not about abject self-flagellation or overly pious efforts or trying to give up something and failing, but rather it's an opportunity to confess, to repent, and to heal. My prayer is that as we go out into the world, we can hold on to the psalmist's words, that we can hold on to the psalmist's hope, that when we do this, our lives will be filled with rejoicing, with rejoicing only available to those unweighted by sin so that we can rejoice in God's grace, in God's healing, and in God's unrelenting embrace of mercy. Thanks be to God. Amen.